Welcome to Word Birds, where you'll hear content conversations directly from the flock. Join Christopher Willis in conversation with content experts and thought leaders as they chat about how to make the most out of your words in business. Here's your host, Chris. Hello and welcome to Word Birds, a birds of a feather conversation amongst people who care about words. Today on the show, we'll be talking about consumer duty, a regulation designed to improve communication at financial services companies in the United Kingdom. We're going to be talking to Anne Godbold. Anne is a non-financial risk specialist at Accenture in the UK. We're going to talk about what the regulation means, its impact on business, and the opportunities it creates in the marketplace. So let's sit back and get some insight from the flock. Hello, Anne. Welcome to WordBirds. Hello. Thank you very much for having me today. Really appreciate it. I'm really excited about today's topic because I think today's topic is very important to the folks that listen to our show, specifically folks that listen to our show based in the UK. Today, we're going to be talking about consumer duty and the impact that it's having on content creation inside financial services, again, specifically in the UK. You are a specialist in this space, non-financial risk specialist at Accenture and fairly knowledgeable here, I believe. So I think a great place to step off would be sort of top level. What are we talking about here? What is consumer duty? So in the UK, our regulators have come forward with a new regulation that's really focused on outcomes. In the last few years, we've seen a number of banking scandals, of headlines that are not as we would like them to be, but things that have gone wrong. And so with a new CEO in place at the Financial Conduct Authority, the UK regulator, they've come out with a set of a new regulation and a set of outcomes to really push forward the next generation of conduct regulation. It's quite difficult for firms, this one. It's really making them think through how do you make sure that you're achieving these right outcomes in everything that you do. They've been guided that products and services must be designed and sold according to meet the needs of their customers. That price and value must represent fair value for consumers. That consumers must be supported and ensure their needs are met and that all communications with them are, are in their interests. And key for this conversation today is that customers understand and are able to make informed decisions. So from a regulation standpoint, that's a great overview of what it is. But if I'm sitting at a desk at an affected, impacted company, what does that mean to me? How does this impact me in my day-to-day job trying to adhere to the regulation? So since the financial crisis, firms have done a lot of work to make sure we're selling in the right way. But we haven't necessarily done so much work to think about how do we make sure the customer is supported and getting good outcomes throughout the life cycle? Because the reality is that customer's needs might change and the world might change. And the world we're in now, where in the UK inflation is at 9.9%, people haven't seen a rise in real income for the last nine months. You're seeing a lot of volatility in the markets. It's really important to make sure we're continuing to look after those customers and make sure they are being supported throughout. So what it really means if you're sitting at your desk and you're working in this communication space is that you need to be able to think about what do you communicate when do you communicate? What are the trigger points to make sure that customer is still being supported, still understands what's going on, and is able to make good decisions throughout that life cycle? But you need to think about making sure that it's clear and 
is suitable for the customer that you're reporting to. And that's really important because the SEA has got stats that it's come out with to say that only one in seven adults have a literacy skill that would be expected of a child aged 11 or below. That's a massive amount of people that might struggle to read some of the materials that have been drafted. So you've really got to think, make sure that you're drafting your communications that are suitable for that audience, reflect the expected level of understanding they would have to get good outcomes, and <laughs> that you're making sure that you have got an evidence trail of why you thought it was suitable, how it's helping get the right outcomes, and the appropriate trail of governance to make sure you can show that it was approved. And we have a line that we say quite often, which is, if you can't evidence it happened, it didn't happen. And this is a real change that's come with the consumer duty. They're making sure that responsibility that sits with senior colleagues in the bank to be able to demonstrate what is actually happening within their firm across the product lifecycle is supporting customers to get these good outcomes. And so there's extra requirements around evidencing what you're doing. So they dropped this regulation. Yes. It sounds like a great idea. How are businesses supposed to do this? I mean, this best practices for content governance creation internally still wouldn't really meet the level of rigor that this seems to have. What was the thought at the onset of how a company would adhere to this? So the one thing our UK regulator very rarely does is tell you how to do it. It really likes the idea that the firms have to think it through themselves because that helps them own it. It helps them design it for their reality, reflecting the fact that some of these firms will be massive and some will be quite small. And some will have, you know, a very focused customer group. Some might have quite different customer needs. But there is an awareness that there is some work required here. Firms at the moment just going through a planning phase. So at the end of October, they have to set their implementation plans to the regulator for review. And there is an expectation that they will have considered how do they uplift their process to make sure that communications that they're issuing going forwards have been approved and are considering things such as economic variables, uh, the product lifecycle, how things can change the customer, really thinking about using the data from the customer to make sure they're identifying those moments that matter, those trigger points to help get ahead, really matters in debt, debt type situation that lending where you might be able to really have an impact on the person by educating them up front when you see those indicators of that they're falling into arrears, for example. The other thing that they're expecting are that all communications that are live, so messages on your internet, your customer facing, the letters that you are issuing, booklets to perhaps go when someone buys a product, any sort of messages that your branch staff are handing out, like literature, all of that will be reviewed for customers uh, for products that are live, like that they can take out now, to make sure that the right information is going to the right customer at the right time in a way that they can understand so they are making informed decisions. To be fair, it sounds very complicated to think through this process from scratch. I assume that means they must have given these companies years and years to sort of figure out this process. Engaging by your face, that's not true. I think the process component of this probably isn't that complicated. I think we're probably all quite confident about how we write this stuff. I think the doing of this is the most difficult bit. <laughs> Just because there's a volume of communications out there. And what we're seeing with our firms right now in the UK are that they are saying, okay, we know what good looks like. We define that. 
we're okay that we know what this process should look like, but gosh, it's a lot of work to get all of those communications that are live reviewed so that they are meeting these standards. Now, we are really comfortable that the quality of information and how it is presented will deliver to the standards that we are now setting for ourselves. I mean, when you talk to your customers, what is the thing, like when we talk about proving effort to meet the requirement, what is the thing that you're saying that companies should be doing to show that proof? How do you prove that you're doing this? This is where having tooling really supports and making sure that actually you've got tooling that supports you in a workflow to have that confidence that the processes that you're defining are there and that they are helping your colleagues have a good experience. This isn't becoming overly onerous or difficult keeping notes of the spreadsheet, that actually you are recording that governance trail so that you can pick it up whenever you need. And that makes sense because we don't yet know how the regulator is going to review this, whether it'll be within their supervisory visits, whether they'll be asking for ad hoc information. And so you do need to make sure you've got a way that you can record and evidence that. One of the most difficult components, though, is when we talk about trigger points, about making sure, you know, when the customer's taken out a product, that it remains suitable for them and that you're getting that information they might need when something's changed for them. And it's here where it gets a little bit more complicated because you really need to think about how you're getting the data, what data you need, how you're able to use it. So you're sending those communications out at the right time and making sure those communications are tailored for that person and their needs. And that is particularly difficult. Our firms are working through and struggling with right now. The implementation date for this isn't too far off. Uh, They need to hit a deadline in next year, July. And for things like some of the tooling, some of these longer term data solutions, it might be difficult to get that in place by then. So it could be there are tactical solutions short term before they can implement these longer term, more strategic data led components. Get your content together. Get Acrolinks. I mean, I, I think we didn't mention the date until just now, but it is a next year thing. It's a July timeframe, 2023 to meet this requirement in some material way. So it sounds like a lot of work. Is there opportunity that comes out of this for the impacted companies? Does this create any additional benefit for them? Or is this just a consumer benefit? And consumer benefit is brilliant. We know, and the data says, that where you can get the right communications in place, for things like debt collection, you can actually really help prevent a situation becoming very difficult. You can actually help them much earlier, which can have a much better outcome for the person and from a collections perspective from the bank. More widely, I think we all think that the more customer-centric you can be, the more loyal your customers will be with you, the more willing they will be to trust you and tell you what's going on and give you the information to help you, the more products potentially they will be able to use if they understand why they benefit them. And so actually really achieving customer centricity may well be a differentiator. And we saw that with our neobanks when they came in. So maybe this is a time for everyone to make sure they are doing what they really want to be doing and getting it right for the customers and building that loyalty. Aside from being a technical challenge, a business process challenge, the idea behind it seems very simple. We should be easier to understand for our consumers. Do you see this moving beyond the UK as you move forward? What's, I mean, what's your stance on that? So as a Brit, 
we like to think that we show the rest of the world the way to go. And in regulation terms, maybe only in regulation terms, we have done that the last few years. So we were one of the first jurisdictions to come in with conduct regulation. And we saw that was followed by the US, Hong Kong, Australia, and many other jurisdictions. And this is the next generation in conduct regulation. And my expectation is, if this is successful and the world is watching, that other countries will pick this up as they have picked up many of our regulatory requirements before. Because I think this reflects something that customers really need. They want that help to understand what's going on. Uh, We're living in a market now that is very difficult for many people. Uh, We're talking about mortgage arrears. And I think in the UK, we've got predictions of how many equals fixed interest mortgage comes up. And they're going to need a lot of support as mortgage rates rates boom. I think they're predicted to hit 7 8% next year. And actually, the idea that you can really help communicate and give impact and help those people get the right outcomes is really beneficial. And I can't see why other people aren't going to pick that up and make sure that their country, their customers are protected in the same way. Especially as products, financial products become more complex and people get more programmed to click through. And so you don't actually pay much attention anymore to what you're actually signing because you don't understand it. I mean, we've gone through several remortgaging processes in the last couple of years. I mean, I know just from personal experience, I gloss over and now I'm just flip the page. Just tell me where to sign. Flip the page. Tell me where to sign because I can't, most of it, I don't really understand what it means anyway. So I'm just going to move through it. And if you made the content more consumable, better decisions could be made. A remortgage probably is the best example because it is what it is. But when you go into buying your first car and you don't know that you're signing an 18% interest rate loan, that's very specific. And it is actually the story of me buying my first car. Now I'm paying for a broken down Ford Explorer for the rest of my life at a very high rate because it wasn't immediately clear to me because it's not written in human. That's correct. I think that as a point of this whole process is a regulation that should be considered well beyond the region where it is currently being considered because people don't know what they're signing. People don't know what the business means. I was on a call with a friend yesterday talking about changing banks. It sounds like I'm just making up a story for a conversation, but this literally happened. And she said, well, they're offering me $400 to change banks. Do you know why? No. What do you mean? Did you read through to understand what the fee structure is? Because they're going to get their $400 back. Like they're not just giving you money. There's a way. And the answer was no. And I don't really understand those things. And so I see the definite importance to this and the opportunity that it makes for good businesses. Does this pose issues for some investment companies that very specifically want to be unclear? I mean, there are businesses out there that are leveraging a lack of clarity. So I love what you've just mentioned, because what you mentioned is very human. It's those behaviour biases, whether it's an information bias, so we don't understand it, whether it's a nudge in the wrong way, are you using behavioural psychology to make you do something that could be good or could not be, or uh, our UK regulator was causing sludges, which are friction points added that stop you doing what you want to do, such as leaving a bad product. And the idea that this gets rid of those and all three of those elements, you know, should be celebrated. I hear you on, there is a cost to this to firms, potentially. Potentially, some of those firms have benefited from these things. 
And the SCA is really clear in the UK, despite having 10 years of conduct regulation, it still finds these things happening. So absolutely, there's going to be a cost to rectify this. But I suspect there's also a cost to that lack of trust. Uh, we've got some survey data from the Financial Life Survey survey, which says that just over a third of customers uh, trust their financial services firm, that they don't see them as honest or transparent. And we all know that a lack of trust has a cost to it. It causes friction. It causes them to not give the right information. It perhaps causes them to not take out products that they should. So I think the hope is, although this could have some cost to it, it should help firms by changing that perception, building the industry's reputation for being honourable, for doing the right things by customers. And those firms that really are seen to be customer-centric, let's just hope those are the ones that succeed in the future. So all of this laid out in front of us, what kind of penalty is there if you don't follow this or if you're found out of compliance? Obviously, we've not yet got these rules in place and we don't yet know how the regulator is going to respond. But they're pretty clear that they will hold individuals account in the firm and we would expect them to take action. That will be financial action. It could be also be they take action to sometimes stop you taking on new customers if they felt that your practices weren't right. But the reputational damage is significant to any sort of regulatory sanction action against you. And I think that can be one of the most damaging things that can happen. No firm is going to want to be put forward as a firm that wasn't truly customer centric. So if you're not taking this seriously, you're headed towards difficult times. I think so. And I think even from a staff retention perspective, people won't want to work there. We all want to think we're having impact on what we're doing. I think if people feel like they're not driving good customer outcomes, it might be that best talent moves elsewhere. Interesting. So this really does cover a lot of the business. I mean, it's how you communicate, but it's how you retain your employees. It's how you build your reputation. Your brand is built around this. This becomes very pivotal to the business. So this really is the time. Like we're in the hot spot right now. Companies are on the hook in October to start talking about how they're going to implement this. And then by July, have their first stage of their answer. This is the moment. This is the moment. Yes. Wow. It's like Y2K, except now. Regulatory issue with a time frame attached to it. Very exciting. It must be keeping you very busy. It is keeping us very busy. Our clients describing this as the biggest change in the last 10 years. Wow. It's truly a cultural change. And it's lovely because it will be data driven. And that means we should be seeing ever being able to evidence really good outcomes when they most need it. Because I think we're all worried about going into winter, high inflation potential recession. Our conduct rules have never been tested in this type of environment and we really need them to hold up and to work. So I'm really grateful this is coming in now because I think never before have we needed to make sure we've got that focus on customer centricity, on really helping customers understand their products and helping meet the financial needs that may well be very high for the next year. Good timing. If somebody's sitting at home listening to this that is impacted by this in their job, they're running a content organization inside a financial services company in the UK, how can they reach out and continue this conversation or even engage Accenture? How do we get people in touch with you? So you can find me on LinkedIn and Godbolt. I think I might be the only one on there. Perfect. And thank you very much for your time. This has been really interesting and really important, I think, to the people that are listening to the show. 
look forward to see where this takes all of us. Thank you again. Have a great day. Thank you. We appreciate it. Thanks for tuning in. Make sure to join us next time for more insights from people who love words. This podcast was brought to you by Acrolinks. Continue honing your enterprise content by checking out other episodes at acrolinks.com slash wordbirds. If you have questions or comments, feel free to get in touch with Chris and his team by sending a message to word.birds at acrolinks.com. That's all for now. See you next time.